everyone, this is Sam Black with Drafting Archetypes, and today I'm going to talk about drafting blue-red in March the Machine. As always, the notes are available at patreon.com slash draftingarchetypes for anyone who would like to follow along. Anyway, getting into it. Convoke is the prescribed path for blue-red, like, you know, that's what the signpost uncommon is pointing to. It's also just good in the set in general, so I really want to lean into Convoke pretty strongly in blue-red. An aggressive approach works, but is not mandatory. In most sets, I talk about how there's kind of a conflict or internal tension in blue-red between red aggressive cards and blue controlling cards, and we kind of see that here, and... It kind of plays out the way that it usually does, where you can draft it as a blue-based control deck with blue defensive creatures, more importantly blue like card advantage spells, and red removal, and try to play a control game that's, you know, answer your stuff, draw more cards, trade off, plays kind of similarly to how blue-black plays. Or you can be an aggressive red deck with blue tempo spells that focuses mostly on cheap creatures, getting ahead, and then using tricks and removal to push damage and close the game out. That's kind of just fundamental blue-red stuff in Limited. Applies here as much as it applies anywhere else, but not none of that's specific to this set. All of that's present here, but for me, the big divide between the aggressive blue-red decks and the controlling blue-red decks to me, both of them really, really want to lean into Convoke. They both want a low curve of cheap creatures to allow them to cast expensive Convoke spells ahead of time and in a way that's like really tempo positive. But as I discussed some with Blue-White last week, the big divide is in how much you want to prioritize Convoke Instance versus Convoke Sorceries. If you're defensive, the Instance gain a lot of value because you get to use your creatures to block, and then uh, cast the Convoke spells basically for free. Whereas if you're aggressive, you might not care so much about getting to block, and uh, you might be more interested in spots where you're willing to tap your creatures, giving up some damage, to get another threat into play that has Convoke. So for the most part, the more aggressive you are, the more likely you are to want to put sorcery speed convoke cards uh, in your deck, um, especially things like the uncommons, the seven mana four four flying haste dragon, the uh, Ramosian great sword, and astral wingspan. All of those are cards that are pretty good for aggressive decks to uh, push damage. They give you some kind of you know evasion, like. If you count Trample as Evasion, which it more or less is, you get like Flying or Trample or something, something that lets you push damage. And, you know, you give up a little bit of short-term damage potentially for something that's like higher impact and can carry you through to, through to closing out a late game in a spot where maybe you played a lot of like low impact, like 1-1 type creatures that might otherwise get bricked. You can then, when you're not able to attack with them, use them to Convoke to get a bigger threat that's going to carry you through to the end of the game. You want to figure out whether you're like in the more aggressive space or the more controlling space pretty early on to figure out which kinds of Convoke spells you're valuing and then uh, prioritize different Convoke spells 
differently while prioritizing uh, efficient enablers highly regardless. As a result, preening champion and rouse reinforcements are the two most important uncommons for basically all versions of blue-red. Preening champion being the best common in the format, the uh, three mana 2-2 two, two flyer that makes a 1-1 one, one weird, rouse reinforcements being two mana for two 1-1 one, one weirds uh, in red. Those are kind of the glue of your deck, regardless of whether you're aggressive or controlling. Like, if I'm blue-red, I'm taking both of them over Volcanic Spite at almost all points with almost all decks while I'm blue-red. I just expect that uh, getting creatures into play to enable... Oh, sorry, the elemental is not weird. Get, getting these creatures into play early is just very, very valuable for making your deck work. And then kind of throughout the middle of the pack uh, and in the rest of the you know draft, you get to figure out what exactly your deck working means. But like whatever it is, you kind of need the same core of like stuff that's good for going wide. So especially when I don't know specifically what my deck is trying to do, I want to prioritize uh, cheap creatures that are good for Convoke, such as Preening Champion, Rouse Reinforcements, the captivating weird the one mana uncommon uh one three defender is uh the best uncommon uh in blue red similarly to preening champion and rouse reinforcements i think that basically applies no matter what your deck is trying to do having a good one drop that makes it so much easier to convoke you're basically just like up a land like it's like a land war elf except also it blocks well immediately like it can usually block their two drop as a one three defender and then also it becomes a threat that draws a card and has haste, essentially, when you put more mana into it. So it's a fantastic card. That's exactly what this deck is looking for. Should be prioritized very, very highly. I'm not completely sure that it should always be taken over Preening Champion or maybe Preening Champion over it. But th those are basically like the one and two, you know, commons and uncommons that you're looking for in blue-red, no matter what your strategy is. But then, you know, once you get past these, like, core enablers, the things that you're looking for can really diverge a lot. Sometimes you're going to highly value the uh, five-mana blue-red uncommon that makes two elementals and does damage whenever you convoke something. Sometimes that's not what you care about. You don't have that much convoke stuff or... You don't really want a five. Maybe most of the things that you have that have Convoke cost less than that. Maybe the damage doesn't matter to you. Like, it's never horrible, but sometimes it's not a priority. Other times it is a priority. I think it's probably better if you're more aggressive, but even that's a bit weird because, you know, it is a five mana card. Sometimes the signpost uncommons are a huge deal. Sometimes they're not. I think that one's not a huge deal. And then I personally really, really like the six mana uh, counterspell uh, with Convoke that draws two and discards a card, but that card, I was going to say that card's much better in the controlling decks than the aggressive decks, but that's not exactly true because there is something to the ability to get threats into play. You're attacking your opponent. While you're ahead, you leave up enough mana to counter their thing. They kind of have to play into it to stabilize. You counter their thing, whatever they did, and then you like get another attack. The thing is, that plan, I think, is actually a lot better in the blue-white aggressive decks because there 
I think the early creatures that you play are more likely to outsize your opponent's creatures. Whereas in blue-red, it's likely that the creatures that you played to get started were just like 1-1s. And you're not that likely to be in a spot where you can kind of like leave up the counterspell and have favorable attacks. And so basically the way that I think that blue-red, the aggressive blue-red decks often go is... You're almost like an elf deck in like a really classic, like, you know, elves ramping out kind of mid-range biggish creatures where like elf, 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 answer your threat, attack with my elves isn't productive in the same way that like one, one token, one, one token, one, one token, answer one of your threats, hope my one, one tokens can attack is also not very realistic. What you're trying to do with the aggressive decks isn't establish a clock keep them from stabilizing because your early stuff isn't a good clock. So what you're trying to do is just ramp, play big flyers or play equipment or turn one of my little guys into a big flyer, then attack with that higher impact threat. And so for that reason, I don't like the counterspell very much when your plan is to be aggressive because you only get so many of those top end convoke cards because each one makes the other ones worse and if you're just like i spammed a bunch of little stuff onto the board and now i like two for one to you with my counter spell like that's cool but at this point everyone knows that this format is kind of about kind of like going over the top and if your opponent like, like your opponent probably doesn't have only one great card there are extra rares in the packs there are really high impact uh, uncommons. If you answer one great card from them and then they just play another one and your deck is like relatively low impact on average because you're playing a bunch of... You, you essentially have a lot of mana sources. If you think about all of your cheap creatures that are there to convoke as mana sources, then the idea that like, you know, maybe you two for one them with your counterspell, but it didn't advance your game plan and now you're essentially going to flood out. Not because you drew too many lands, but because you drew too many lands and two drops that are indistinguishable from lands in your deck. And so what you need to do is after you've ramped, you need to convert that into like high impact stuff that's closing the game. And so the counter spell ends up not being as good a fit as um, something threatening would be. If instead you're drafting this as a control deck, then you know your counterspell is drawing into more like the um, meeting of the minds, the instant that draws two cards with convoke and red removal. Then yeah, sit back, answer stuff. All that's what you're trying to do. But if you're the blue red aggro convoke deck, then I think you need to be really focusing on closing the game out after you ramp. You you need to just be like. Go wide on turns one through three or four, and then play things that are going to like start killing your opponent on turn uh, like four and five. My taste, I, I'm certainly more likely to play blue-red uh, the controlling way, but I, I do think that both can be done. A note on the greatsword, it has pretty bad stats. I don't wouldn't read a lot into that. Uh, I think it's very, very good. You need to be good at going wide and also to have cards with keywords. It doesn't matter very much which keywords you have. Like, 
giving plus three plus one and trample to flyer, first striker, double striker, lifelinker. Lifelinker is probably not going to come up in blue red, but just when evaluating the great sword in general, all that stuff is going to be pretty hard for your opponent. And so, like, if you're a bunch of preening champions and then you play great sword and then you just start turning your preening champions into five three flying tramplers that's going to close the game out pretty reliably but if all you have is like one one ground creatures with no keywords then you know you can equip a sword and make a four two but like your opponent might just have a five five and then you aren't getting anywhere i'll note that in particular Greatsword with the Scald, the 5-mana 3-2 backup double striker, your opponent has to have an answer for one of those things. They're not going to win in combat. Uh, double strike plus 3 plus 1 and trample is just game over. So uh, that like the double strike creature is a very good card. It should be prioritized reasonably highly. And then if you have that, uh, the Remos and Greatsword is a lot better for you uh, than it otherwise would be. In general... When looking at like the performance stats for cards on 17 lands, I would not assign a lot of significance to the win rates for Convoke cards, because what you don't get to see is which kinds of decks people are putting them in and how well supported they are. So if you know that your deck is looking for a Convoke card or that you can use a Convoke card well and it doesn't have great stats... I would just assume that's because some portion of the time people are playing it when it's not well enabled. And, um, you know, there's there's a huge difference in how well Convoke cards perform as a function of how good you are spamming the board. So grain of salt on all that. I think also, you know, I've been advocating for prioritizing enablers before payoffs. The stats are going to agree with that, because of exactly what I'm saying. The fact that like every deck wants the enablers, but only some decks want the payoffs, which means that like people are never putting the enablers in the wrong decks, but sometimes they're putting the payoffs in the wrong decks, which means that to some extent, 17 lands is making my point even stronger than I am. Uh, like I don't necessarily think the difference in quality is necessarily as big as the difference in win rate suggests they would be. But for a completely different reason, which is just that you need to, you know, the fail state is when you have all payoffs, no enablers. You need to prioritize the enablers more. But it's not exactly that they're better in the way that, like, the 17 land stats might imply. I hope that makes sense. If it doesn't, this is really not an essential point. Tricks, like Zulfirin, Shapecraft, and to some extent, like, the red combat tricks... Uh, play pretty well with tokens conceptually, but uh, I think you want to be really careful about putting these in your deck, especially if you have a lot of Convoke cards, because, of course, you want to be spending your mana to like make more creatures and then casting your Convoke stuff, not just like pushing combat damage. If you end up, you know, maybe you prioritized enablers and then you get toward the end of the draft and you just d didn't find like good high-impact Convoke cards... And now you're like, well, I have all these like little creatures and I guess I need to try to get something to happen with them. Then you can like start taking and playing uh, Zulfir and Shapecraft, uh, which is the two mana instant that makes a creature four three and until end of turn and draws a card. 
or other combat tricks and just like try to get into combat with your creatures. I think that uh, that's like a rough strategy in this format, but not impossible and might be a way to salvage a draft. Agar, the 3-3 blue-red uncommon giant wizard from Kaldheim uh, in the Multiverse Legends sheet, uh, was really, really good in Kaldheim, but it is not so good in this format. It's a lot less well-supported. There aren't other giants, and I think the like burn spells don't line up quite as well. A little bit harder to trigger it. Sometimes it's good if like your Convoke stuff happens to be the uh, six damage Convoke card, but I would generally try to not prioritize and or actively avoid Agar. Title Terror, the Island Cycler, is pretty good in this format because, uh, you know, you're wide, you have all these like random one ones that aren't able to do much. They're not super productive on offense or defense. So they're kind of free to tap to make your Title Terror unblockable. And, you know, I mentioned that there's a danger of kind of flooding out with this deck where your opponent has like a bunch of creatures that are like reasonably sized and maybe you have creatures that are particularly low impact because you were prioritizing them to convoke with. Title Terror can be a pretty good way to convert a board full of stuff that can't quite do anything into ending a game. So I, I like to have a Title Terror or two in my blue-red decks, which is noteworthy because, in general, I'm not very high on land cyclers. So that's something I would keep an eye on. I think that basically covers what I'd planned here. So I'm going to turn this over to Twitch chat for questions. While I'm waiting for people to ask that, I want to thank the newest patron, uh, Zach. Thank you for the support. And if anyone else is interested in uh, joining the Drafting Archetypes Patreon, uh, getting some perks and a shout out like Zach and all that, uh, check out patreon.com slash draftingarchetypes for more info. All right, I've seen City on Fire be really good in blue-red token generator decks. What's your opinion on playing it in blue-red in general? Yeah, I think that it is very similar to the other sorcery speed stuff structurally. The aggressive decks that are interested in the other like sorcery speed uncommons that I talked about are also interested in City on Fire. It's a really good way to like make your kind of low-impact stuff high-impact, uh, can end a game super quickly. Um, and if you're wide, it's like not actually very expensive, but you need to be careful with it. You need to only play it if you're actually very, very, very good at going wide. And I don't think you really want it in kind of the slower, more controlling decks um, that like have kind of, you know, where if your plan is to generate card advantage and grind your opponent out, then you're not so concerned with like turning your cheap guys into threats, which is like what it does. But if you're, like, doing the other thing, it's a good endgame card, like the Sword of the Dragon or whatever. Oh, one thing I wanted to mention is that Tetsuko Umazawa, the 2-mana 1-3 that makes your stuff unblockable, is another great way to make all of these 1-1s relevant threats going into the long game. And it plays super, 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 super well with uh, the Dreadship, the 4-1 Haste Vehicle. So I think that another thing to look for is just Umazawa is good in this deck in general, and then it makes Dreadship a lot more uh, desirable. 
Had a deck with four dread ships, two invasion of Kaladesh. Is that advisable? Sounds sweet. Um, the the dread ships make your uh, Kaladesh vehicle very big. Uh, Kaladesh is the uh, two mana blue red invasion that transforms into a vehicle that has power equal to the number of artifacts you control um, and gives you a thopter. And then the dread ships are the four one vehicle that give you an incubate token. So we have a like kind of dedicated little artifact package that's also vehicle heavy. I wouldn't say that that's something that's going to come up a lot in Blue Red, but sounds kind of cool. Again, especially if you have Tetsuko Mizawa, that would be a really awesome package. Would the frog be a way I can set up a fast clock early and run away with follow-up removal? The aggressive red and blue tempo backup concept. I think that if you have a bunch of weirds and printing champions, Halo Hopper is a solid extra card. If you ever get to like cast it and something else on turn three, that is pretty strong. I wouldn't like prioritize it. I don't think it like is very transformative for the archetype. I think of it as just like another potential like you know cheap creature to convoke stuff that like. You know, the, the the dream just isn't that great. But uh, if, if you're there, it's a nice little perk, I guess. Is uh, Transcendent Message worth playing? Yes, I love Transcendent Message. I've, I've never passed one. I've played three in one deck. I, I think it's fantastic. How should you be getting into Blue-Red? Uh, is it a great archetype in the format or a branching path for other archetypes? largely it's like blue's the best color and red's the worst color so this could be you got a really good red card and then you tried to draft blue because it's blue and you're blue red because you opened a strong red card it could be you are drafting blue because it's blue and then no one else is drafting red and so it's open and you moved in i think both of those are totally viable ways to end up here i think that I would never go into a draft being like, I really hope I'm blue-red specifically, but I also don't consider it in any way a disaster or something to avoid. And I, I think that you end up there fairly naturally in spots where you have like a good red card or like, I, I think that the things that I described are not that uncommon because it's not hard to find red cards that work well with some of the good blue cards. And if reds open, it's reasonable to see those and move into them, right? Like if you start with some good blue convoke cards and then you get past like a sixth pick Rouse reinforcements, then that would be a pretty good reason to like move into red if you didn't have, you know, your foot in some other door at that point. Thoughts on Shatter the Source? Would you play three? Uh, I think um, Shatter the Source is better in the grindy... Uh, blue versions that are like more looking for one for ones than the uh, like aggressive red versions that don't want to like, you know, you don't want your payoff to be that you want your payoff to be something that's going to kill your opponent. It's tricky, of course, because it's not premium convoke for either deck. But also like the blue deck might really, really want removal and you might not have like that much top end. So like I could see a deck where I have like pretty good enablers and then I'm playing like 
two or three meeting of the minds and three shatter the source and then you know maybe like one or two like big things uh could be title terror hopefully it's some kind of like rare uncommon expensive finisher or whatever i think that it's you know you they're diminishing returns on them i'm a lot more likely to play one or two than three but i do like the card but i don't take it highly seems like with convoke blue red is generally big gamey even if controlling what would it take to make a small game blue red deck so i agree with you convoke uh means that you just want there to be a lot of objects in play and as a result like on the note about like blue red generally being big gamey which i agree with i think that that's part of why meeting of the minds is generally going to be better than the four mana sorcery speed uh removal spell that convoke put a creature on top on second from the top of its owner's deck um because you want the card that gives you more stuff rather than the card that takes something away from your opponent what would it take to go the other way uh you'd need to have like a relatively small number of convoke cards and then just to happen to have like generic good cards in blue red like maybe you somehow got a whole bunch of uh, removal maybe of like Nahiri's Warcrafting and like one Shatter the Source and two Volcanic Spites and then your Agar is good and maybe you have a Stoke the Flames also um, and you end up in like Agar plus removal with maybe some card advantage or something but I think that like the spots where you're like non-convoke blue-red are going to be pretty unusual. When drafting I often start blue how do you know that red is the color to move into over black or white? It, that's, like I said, I think that it is somewhat widely understood that red is the weakest color. And so you know to move into red not because, like, you got some great card second and you're like, I should be blue red now, though and that, could, that could happen with a rare, like if you got Brawl and Kari's ever, whatever. But more just like, if you get a really late um, Rouse Reinforcements or a Volcanic Spite, then that tells you that red is probably very open, and then you'll probably end up with a good blue-red deck. But it, it is very much more, oh, I can tell that blue-red is open here, not, oh, I've decided that blue-red is a stronger archetype than like blue-white or blue-black. Blue-white and blue-black are better archetypes than blue-red, full stop. It's not particularly close. But that doesn't mean that at any given seat, it might be better to position yourself into them. Thoughts on Corruption of Tawashi in blue-red? Uh, not enough Incubate or need Omen Hawkers uh, to be good, so usually not enough support. Um, I think that Corruption of Tawashi is kind of just like supported in blue by itself. If you have like Corruption and a few Eyes of Chaxis and... You know, there are red cards that can contribute. I'm not particularly into the two damage card that incubates, but um, Dreadship's pretty good. And uh, Omen Hawker does make that whole plan better. And Blue Red is kind of looking for an excuse to play Omen Hawker. So I, I think that you can certainly have a Blue Red deck that uses Corruption of Twashi well. I think Corruption of Twashi is good in any kind of like slower blue deck so i i would certainly if i had corruption of twashi try to be more um you know the like blue instant speed convoke stuff kind of strategy than the like 
go wide and slam a dragon style of strategy. But as I mentioned, you know, I'd prefer to be there anyway. So I, I think corruption can play well in a space that is very reasonable to try to be. You have a ton of preying champions and rouse reinforcements. Would you run the one red convoke plus two plus O oh, uh, to do things instant? It wouldn't be my first choice. Uh, I would certainly prefer to have an expensive Convoke card in that slot, and I would probably also prefer to have Zelfir and Shapecraft. But uh, if you like don't have any of that, you could potentially end up in a spot where you play it. Thoughts on Complete the Circuit in a Blue-Red deck? I've never been in a spot where I've had to like actually consider playing it. I generally haven't really treated it as a card, but, you know... I guess if I saw it in a pack, I would evaluate based on what I have at that moment. But uh, I'm not optimistic. Are there any white Convoke spells you'd be willing to find room for, given they're harder to cast with Convoke? I understand it's not likely. Uh, I'm totally open to Jeskai Control Convoke. Totally happy to splash any of the white Convoke cards. Wrath, you know, do a whole thing where I'm only playing a few red cards and I'm a lot of blue with like red and white removal really really love the like jeskai control space uh as with all decks and all formats the more controlling i am the more colors i'm willing to be the worst man i'm willing to have the more aggressive the opposite on all that so yeah i, I think jeskai convoke control is a space that i'm very happy to end up in in a spot where i started in a way that you know where like blue reds open or I started down a path that could be blue-red. Definitely happy to pivot to include some white or black or green cards or whatever. I think that when you're drafting blue-red, the like all-in convoke aggressive thing that I've talked about is not a likely outcome and shouldn't be prioritized. And you will, in general, like just the blue cards are a lot better than the red cards. So most packs, you're going to hope to take a blue card most of the time. And if that's available to you, then you're going to be in a spot where you just don't have that many red cards. And the red cards that are like removal and stuff are totally splashable. So being just like blue XX or whatever, uh, I've had a lot of success with Grixis, for example. Jeskai is basically the same thing. Uh, a path that I'm definitely going to be like keeping in mind and actively open to during the draft. One follow-up question, does Hanger Scrounger have any place in this archetype? That's the 2-1 uh, backup that uh, loots when it becomes tapped, which is pretty interesting um, because you don't need to attack to get the loot, and so it loots when you convoke. I don't personally have a lot of experience with it, but I do really like what it's doing in the deck in small numbers because you know you are really trying to assemble different kinds of cards at different stages of the game i mentioned that you have the potential to just kind of flood out where you like have all of these like kind of low impact one ones that you're using to cast your big stuff and then uh if you end up you know if you have the scrounger you can you know, get rid of that in your extra lands to find um, your payoffs. So I, I haven't really been doing it, but I do like the idea of playing one, maybe two scroungers in these decks. I think that it's like fine random card to contribute to like your curving out that can uh, 
kind of have like an outsized impact in terms of like uh, saving you or carrying you through to a stronger late game. So I, I think it's pretty nice to try to play like one of them. If I start drafting the red cards for this, but the blue doesn't come, what do I try to pivot into? I guess the like wide red cards pair best with black because then you can move into red black sacrifice and I've had good experiences with Ramosian Great Sword in red black because you can like go wide and you have access to pretty good keywords and like Great Sword specifically plays really well with the one one lifelink vampire is the lifelink is good and then it dies into an incubate token that you can equip uh, so you turn that guy into a pretty reliable two for one that like gives you time to realize the two for one so uh yeah i i think the answer there if you're if you specifically are like positioning yourself for red blue convoke with red cards um maybe you have a blue card but blue dries up as can happen with blue i think red black is a really good pivot uh black yeah, just uses the go-wide stuff in a different way pretty well. I like that question. That, that, that's a good note, because I, I, I do think that there's like a real answer there that's pretty meaningful. So that's going to do it. Thanks for tuning in. I'll be back next week. And again, I'll be putting up a poll in the uh, Patreon for uh, what I'll be talking about next week. So... Uh, yeah, thanks again, and I'll be back, as I said, next week. All right, bye, everyone. Prepare for light speed.